How you feeling? You know, I feel good. Do you? We did a big thing. Probably more you. I did a big thing. I was the wingman support. Y'all are just going to have to wait because we recorded something last night that you're going to hear after you hear this. So yeah, <laughs> one more week for you. It's coming for you. Mm-hmm. It was a big topic. It required a lot of vulnerability and emotional participation. Which you are good at both things. Well, thank so you. check, check. But it was still exhausting. And now I'd like to talk about TV. <laughs> yeah. So even Yay. though you haven't heard the big heavy thing yet, we're talking about something lighter because the big heavy thing is coming. Yes. So don't you worry. Enough teasing because they're going to think it's like <laughs> earth shattering. It's really not. But it is entertaining and it's a lot. So anyway, <laughs> let's talk about some fun TV. What have you been watching? Well, I think we should start with the show we watched last night. Oh, absolutely. The Tinder Swindler. The Tinder Swindler on Netflix, folks. You know what's so funny is that all of my coupled up and married friends have been texting me right and left. Have you watched The Tinder Swindler? They don't want you to be next, Megan. <laughs> No, I think it's kind of like, oh my God, you're on Tinder. Mm -hmm. I can relate to you. I watched the Tinder swindler. Right. Are you okay? Yeah. And you would have been fine. I might have been in trouble. (laughs) You and Alicia, we determined. You guys might have been swindled. Yeah. That particular fella was a little too um, Louis Vuitton for me. But he did have a private plane. Right. And like islands and parties and, you know, lots of really fancy dinners, which is definitely the way to my heart is the the food part of it. Yeah. He definitely uh, knew how to live large. Yes. On other people's money, as it turns out. I don't think that's a spoiler given that the name of the show is The Tender Swindler. Yeah. It's really incredible to me that he was able to keep it going as long as he did. He had some good skills in terms of love bombing, manipulating, love bombing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if people haven't heard our episode where we talked about love bombing, love bombing is where somebody is just incessantly giving you compliment after compliment after compliment quickly upon just meeting them. Right. Suddenly, they're just like, Oh, God, you're so wonderful. Can't imagine living without you. I love everything about you. And certain people just eat that shit up. And in fact, that came up on our episode where we talked about cults. Yeah. Where, again, they prey on someone who's pretty vulnerable. You could say that Tinder's kind of a cult. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but there's a lot of vulnerable people on there. For sure. Yeah, it was really interesting hearing the stories firsthand from women who were involved in this scenario. (laughs) Victimized, yeah. And I found myself very able to relate to one of them who was so swept up in the whole thing and just hopeful that it would all work and this is her dream and, you know, and definitely kind of that hopeless romantic vibe just hadn't given up on the idea of true love. Right, and I think one of the reasons that he was so smooth is because it wasn't a situation where he would meet these people online and then avoid meeting them in real life and then start asking for money, which is how it normally goes. He would meet them, take them in his private plane to exotic places and have amazing dinners and wine and pay for everything. Like on a first date, though. Right. And so right out of the gate, they're like, well, this guy is pretty legit. He has this amazing backstory, which turns out was all fabricated. Don't give it all away. Sorry. (laughs) But he made them really believe he was a legit person Mm -hmm. and really secured that trust and belief. But it was like a Ponzi scheme, right? Because he was using other women he'd already tricked their money to get these new girls. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then he'd get these new girls entrenched and use their money to get the other new girl. And it was just on and on and on. It was incredible. Incredibly disgusting. Yes. The whole thing was bananas. You might think that we've given away a lot and you don't need to watch it, but yeah, it's worth it. There's a lot to how it unfolds. He doesn't just rely on his plane and caviar, you know. No, it's a very he's good at fabricating, uh-huh. you know, an identity and documentation and things like that. So it's pretty amazing. As they yeah. said in the show, he's a professional. Definitely worth a watch. What we, else we got? We've also just both completed the first season of And Just Like That. Sex in the City reboot. Indeed. We had some hesitations at first when we saw the first episode. We really did. So you were a much bigger Sex in the City fan. I always say Sex in the City. It is Sex and the City. And also, uh, yeah, I continue anyway. to be a huge Sex in the right. City fan. I loved that series. I liked it. I just didn't consume it the way that you did. I mm-hmm. certainly don't know it anywhere near as well as you do. Um, I always kind of struggled with the characters and not feeling like they were great people mm. <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so when we started this go-round, the reboot... I'm I, surprised you watched the reboot then if you didn't like the characters. Well, they were well-written characters. I just kind of didn't like who they were, if that makes sense. In terms of the the writing of it, I think that they did a good job of it. But as a human being, if I were to meet some of these people, I'd be like, ugh, really? <laughs> but I was interested in the reboot, and we started it together, and I know that you love it. Oh, you did but it for me? What you do is you, you know, you show <laughs> some interest in the things that the people you love are interested in, right? Well, even I, the first episode was like, oh, no. They are trying way too hard, and yeah. the acting felt like overacting. And it just, the first episode was not great. I stuck with it for my love of the original. Right. show and I did feel like it got better and better and I, loved, I agree I loved how it ended that's good I, yeah I agree I think they came into their own a bit and and I found myself in the first few episodes feeling like oh god I really don't like them even more now like they've all <laughs> become caricatures of themselves they're all kind of terrible I wouldn't want to be around them well and they tried to make the show super woke right and so mm-hmm. they were hitting every social justice you know racial, gender, every issue you could think of. Yeah. They were throwing it out there. So it was sort of a lot to keep track of. I will say that I appreciated, though the show really did throw in a whole lot of that stuff, like almost excessive. I appreciated how I think realistic they made the characters reactions to those given that these are now people in their mid 50s who wouldn't necessarily know exactly how to respond to a transgender kid or yeah that situation in particular I really liked the scene where the parents were meeting with the school to talk about I almost said her right them we're all learning deciding to be you know recognized as a non-binary individual in terms of gender and the father just really struggling not that he didn't support his child but he was just sort of like we've done all the work raising this child getting this child to where they are today and now we're sitting here being dictated to by the school and the teachers about this is what you say, this is how you act, this right. is what you do. And he was like, I'm struggling, man. Right. It was pretty honest. Yeah, I liked that. I don't want to give away any spoilers here on the chance that people might be still watching it or mm-hmm. decide to watch it someday. But what um, did you think of Sarah Ramirez, her character? She was the one that was in Grey's Anatomy. Che? Yeah. I really liked that character. I thought that it was a pretty realistic depiction 
well, I mean, who the fuck am I to say? But it seemed like a realistic depiction of someone in their 30s who's gender nonconforming and queer and not monogamous and a comedian. And they felt like a really well thought out character to me. Yeah, felt like an authentic role. I did like the new kind of the new main characters that they introduced. I thought that they added some different dynamics to the group. One in particular who is definitely this fucking fancy pants, highfalutin lady, (laughs) but is also so real and down to earth. And I always feel like people in that scenario, you know, high society New York are going to always have this huge sense of propriety and never have any fun and never admit any wrongdoing or failings, personal flaws or anything. And I just felt like she was a really well-rounded character. Charlotte's friend? Yeah, Lisa. Oh, okay. I loved Carrie's friend who was her realtor. Seema, yeah. First of all, she is smoking hot. Hell yeah. And secondly, there was one scene that I really appreciated. She said something that offended Carrie. Yes. Carrie said to her, well, that's offensive to me. And she said, well, I'm sorry. Since we're talking about it, you said something to me yesterday that was offensive to me. Right. She explained it and Carrie felt like shit because she didn't realize in the moment, like how she sounded, how she might have made her feel. And she said, well, that's not what I intended. And she's like, yeah, but it's how I felt. So. Right. Impact versus intent. Right. Exactly. And that was the moment where Carrie knew that they were real friends because they could say those things to each other and. And then eat their sushi. Yeah. (laughs) Like you said, I don't want to give too much away, but I really enjoyed it. You just got to get past that first episode. That's a little cringy. Second one, slightly cringy, too. Yeah, the first couple were tough. I remember watching that first one with you and just being like, oh, no, like, (laughs) hoping that you were having the same visceral reactions that I was having, because it was definitely cringy. Yeah. Shall we move on before we give it all away? What's next? What should we talk about Give it away, give it away, give Give it it away away now. Uh, Yes, we absolutely must discuss the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. (laughs) (laughs) That show is so fucking funny. It makes me laugh so hard. Just even that they named it that. (laughs) You and I both, and I don't think anyone is surprised by this, really enjoy the psychological thriller genre. Yes. Yes. So there are many, many, many books and movies, stories about these things. So there's, you know, Gone Girl and Girl on the Train and Woman in the Window and The Couple Next Door. And and we've talked about all those. The Woman in Cabin 10. and And they're all named that same kind of thing. It's sort of a trope at this point, right? Right. When I first heard about this show, I definitely thought it was a joke. (laughs) I think it was supposed to be, but I could totally see where if maybe you're not familiar with that genre and you just sit down and start watching this, how you could be so confused. Like, absolutely. Is she intentionally acting poorly? (laughs) No, no. What I mean is I literally thought that there was no show. It was a joke trailer of a show. I thought there's no way this... This is real. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's Kristen Bell, and it just came out on Netflix a couple weeks ago. Holy fuck, it is so funny. If you've ever read any of these books or watched any of these movies, it is hilarious because it basically makes fun of every single little trope in all of these things, down to the drinking. Frankly, she... <laughs> <laughs> She has fancy type wine glass that is a 26 ounce glass that you're supposed to fill a quarter of the way to get one glass of wine, but will fit an entire bottle because it's 26 ounce glass. (laughs) 
And a bottle of wine, for those of you who don't know, is 25.7 ounces. Okay. That would be 750 milliliters. Yeah, so she pours the entire bottle into a glass, and it's like to the brim. You know when you pour something and it almost bubbles up a little bit because there isn't <laughs> was, really room in the glass? I was talking to Amy about this show, and she was saying that that was the moment she really connected with the character when she poured <laughs> the whole glass and sat down in her chair and leaned over and just slurped off the top. Rather than trying to pick it up and take a sip at that point? Yeah, and which yes. when she does. She needs two hands because it's right. huge. So I will say the whole show is meant to be comedy, but it's dark as fuck. It's mm-hmm. an actual mystery. The dialogue is supposed to be cheesy as hell and, mm-hmm. and ridiculous, but the story writing is good. <laughs> the jokes that... <laughs> if it wasn't Kristen Bell, I'm not sure I could have continued because she can deadpan like nobody's her. business. And it's her. so dumb and annoying, but because it's her... And because you know what she's embodying in right. that moment, it's really fucking funny. So you can't help but laugh. But. And she's so endearing. <laughs> it's really good. Um, and then there's a guy who plays like the handyman, which is a whole, I don't want to give anything away. This is a whole part of the story. The actor is Cameron Britton. So he's 6'9". Yeah, he's, he's a huge. Giant human. And in Mindhunter, he played Edmund Kemper, the co-ed killer, I think, in Santa Barbara back in the 70s, and ended up being one of the main subjects of the FBI profiler who started the whole behavioral science unit, John Douglas. He would go and interview these convicted serial killers to try to get into their minds and figure out why they do what they do. Well, he wrote a book called Mindhunter, and then they made the show about it. And Cameron Britton plays Edmund Kemper, and he's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Also, I just have to say that my boyfriend, Jonathan Groff, <laughs> plays the John Douglas character. Holden Ford, I believe, is his name in the show. It's such yeah. a good show. It's funny. And my daughter got me the book for Christmas, which was so sweet. Oh, I just said it's funny because I thought you were talking about the woman in the house across the street <laughs> from the girl in the window. Well, that's funny. Yes. Mindhunter, not funny. <laughs> yeah. But great show. Great actor. Well, I won't give too much about this character away, but I just have to say Carol brilliantly acted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we all know Carol. Okay, so what else have you been watching? I really enjoyed recently that mini series called The Dark Side of the 90s. Oh, yeah. We haven't good. finished it. There's still some episodes we have to watch. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. There were so many things that triggered so many memories. And so, so much shit happened in the 90s, I swear. Yeah, so much nostalgia. And I loved that they did a whole episode on the Seattle music scene. But like, of course they did. Right. They also did a whole episode on reality TV, not the Housewives and the Kardashians, but like what reality TV was in the 90s, which was like Jerry Springer and those kind of shows. Well, and that's where all Geraldo. the fucking Housewives and Kardashians came from. Yeah. There is none of that without Jerry and Maury and fucking Sally, Jesse, Raphael and all that stuff starting back then and getting into that sensational you know, people fighting on stage, who's the daddy, blah, blah, blah. That stuff led to all the shit we see now, you know? (laughs) What was funny about that was the guy who, what was he, like the main producer for Jerry Springer? Uh He was interviewed and he held nothing back. Oh, no. And he has no regrets or anything about just giving the people what they wanted. And he was like, find some people that have some issues, work them up, throw them on national television and watch them beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, it's solid gold. I liked listening to they had some younger staffers that were kind of in charge of, you know, continuity and making sure that guests on the show had what they needed to be successful in whatever form that took. 
it was interesting to hear some of them like reflecting on how fucking horrible they felt in some of these moments where these people were having the worst moment of their life. And they had to keep picking at them. Yeah. You know, they couldn't be empathetic or say, I'm so sorry, Mm -hmm. or, you know, sobbing and breaking down. They had to keep riling them up. Right. It's their job. I remember specifically the one woman saying that there had been like a family feud type episode where they were, it was Thanksgiving time and they were all sitting having this Thanksgiving dinner that turned into this epic food fight and not in like a fun way. Um, Everybody was so angry and they're throwing shit at each other and they had to go to commercial break. And there's one woman in this family just like breaking down. And this woman, like she's probably like a PA, uh, like a, you know, production assistant or something having to basically ask this woman, like, please don't wipe the yams off your face. We got to make sure those are still there after the commercial break for continuity. We need that money shot. Right. Like that's so fucked up. Yeah, Can you that's... imagine being a part of that? No. No. Talk and... about putting a price tag on your morals. <laughs> For real. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. What else are you watching right now? Uh, the new season of Ozark is out, which I know you don't watch, but really fucking good. Jason Bateman, Laura Linney. I like the cast. Yeah, it's really good. Let's see. We do need to watch Murderville. That's right. It looks so good. It's Will Arnett, and he's a detective. I think his last name is Seattle, or it's supposed to be set in Seattle. I can't tell. I heard the word Seattle. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But every episode, there's a different celebrity, like, (laughs) co-detective. Oh, yeah, Marshawn Lynch. Him, and then Annie Murphy, and Conan O'Brien, and, like, (laughs) all sorts of people. And then I might be misremembering, but I thought I heard that parts of it are improv even. Speaking of improv. Improv. Oh, boy. I have not seen this, but I want to see it. It's called True Story, hosted by Ed Helms and Randall Park. They sit down with just like everyday people to talk about unbelievable true stories. Oh. And as these everyday people are narrating, you know, talking about their story, they have comedians acting it out, like doing a dramatized reenactment. (laughs) So these people get to watch stories from their own lives acted out by like famous Hollywood types. That's hilarious. So I want to check that one out. That sounds like Drunk History. Have you ever watched that? No. Oh my God, Megan, you will love Drunk History. Okay. I can't remember the name of the host, but there's one guy who hosts every episode. There's been several seasons of it. And every episode, there are celebrity guests and he and the celebrity guest drink together. And then once they are a couple sheets to the wind, (laughs) the celebrity guest tells a true story from history, from sometime in history. And it's all over the map from all different time periods. And then they have dramatized versions acted out by other people. (laughs) But it's all in the voice of the drunk celebrity. It is so funny. (laughs) Sounds like a good one. It's amazing. I can't believe you've never seen that. You really can't. Well, okay, yeah. You don't have, like, time for TV? Well, no. I, <laughs> hey, I finished and just like that before you did. I was so proud of myself. That's true. It's true. You finally won one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on Hulu if you would like to check out Drunk History. So okay, do that. Got it. Well, I don't need to belabor it because I've talked about it on the last few episodes, but I am still watching The Great and loving it. Good. Very glad you're getting caught up with that. You know what I've discovered recently? What's that? that? I don't think I'd ever even heard of before. It's a sitcom from 2011, and I think it had three seasons. Okay. I'm in the second season now. It's called Happy Endings. It's like six friends. I think they're in Chicago. 
It's very much early 30s friends type situation. Okay. Friends the show type situation. Yeah, yeah. Three women, three men. But the whole series starts with two of them are about to get married and that doesn't happen. Okay. It's, get to see the ripple effects of that. Yeah. It's a, is it Alicia? Alicia? Alicia Cuthbert? However you say that. Okay. I think it's Alicia, isn't it? I have no idea. And then one of the younger Wayans. And then at one point, Damon Wayans shows up playing his father. Okay. It's really, really funny. I mean, it's a bunch of ridiculous fucking scenarios. How did you come across that? It just kept popping up as, you know, recommended for you on my Netflix. Oh, okay. It looked fun. And I mean, how was there an entire sitcom that I never even fucking heard of 10 years ago? I guess I had toddler at that point. (laughs) Anyway, I missed it completely. And it's very funny. It's funny how there's old random shows like that. I've told you about this show before that I used to like called Tell Me You Love Me. Yeah. I think they only did one season of it. It was good. I liked it. It was about three couples. Mm-hmm. They all were like somewhat connected, but not super close. They were different ages and different situations. One couple had been married for a long time and had this beautiful family, but there was no intimacy anymore between the parents. And so they were struggling right. with that. And then there was another couple that was struggling to conceive. And like they had this beautiful, perfect life. And they were both really successful professionals. And they had everything they could ever want, but they could couldn't get pregnant. And so that started to like tear them apart. Right. And there was one couple that was much younger, but their whole relationship was like based on sex and there was no other substance to it. And they were supposed to get married, but you could see it kind of breaking down because that was all they really had. Mm-hmm. So it was like these three very different situations with these three couples. And then every now and again, they would interact yeah. for whatever reason. While you were talking, I thought of two other shows that I'm now watching. You know, it sounds like I don't do anything but watch TV. (laughs) And that is not the case. You only sleep like two hours a night, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, I need plenty more than that. No, on Hulu right now, there are two new shows. One is How I Met Your Father. Okay. And it's essentially the exact same formula as How I Met Your Mother, but flipping the script there a little bit. And Hilary Duff is the main... I mean, it's an ensemble cast, but she's the main character. Okay. That's like present day. And then it flashes forward to 2050, where she, same character, is played by Kim Cattrall, telling her son about how she met his father. Okay. Right? And it's kind of dumb and ridiculous, but it's funny. And, you know, it's the same sitcom dating tropes and all that. But mm-hmm. And then the other one on Hulu is Pivoting. And I think we had watched the trailer for that at some point. Yeah. It's, I didn't realize you had started sorry. that. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> is it good? Yes. The show is about three women. The very beginning, it starts with they've just lost their fourth friend, like their best friend. Okay. There was a group of four and they've just lost one and now there's three. And they all kind of take that as a wake up call to kind of reevaluate where their lives are at. Mm-hmm. And and pivot a little bit, make some changes and try to live more authentically or, you know. Is it it's just... a drama? Is it comedy? Like what? Oh, it's comedy. Oh, okay. Interesting. But, but there's some poignant emotional stuff as well. Sure. It's Jennifer Goodwin and some Love other Jennifer people Goodwin. I can't remember. Love her. Mm-hmm. That's probably enough, don't you think? Yeah, that was fun and light and easy. And I appreciate the break. Yes. And Everybody's got their Netflix, Hulu. Homework. <laughs> peacock, cues all loaded up. Yep. Get watching people. (laughs) All right. Well, we should go do some of that right now. Told you I have to go to bed. (laughs) God damn it. I know I can always woo you with TV and Prosecco. 
I also have Dove chocolates right here. You do. Maybe we should just watch one episode of Murderville. We probably should. Mm, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, while we do that, you all can find us online at ProseccoTheory.com. Email us cheers at ProseccoTheory.com. Find us on the socials at ProseccoTheory. You can find your merch at tpublic.com. And you can even rate and review and follow wherever you listen. We did get a lovely new review. Thank you so much, Lou, whoever you are. <laughs> whoever you are, wherever you are, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. And tell your friends. <laughs> Tell them about your fun podcast friends that they should probably listen to also because we want to be their friends as well. We want to be in their queue. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's a lot of queuing. Queue up your glass here. I'm queuing it up. All right. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Cheers.